Seek You First, Part 27, The Joseph Syndrome. When you scour the Bible to examine the lives of men who made it in terms of this life, what you find is that those who did never intended to. Take, for example, the young man Joseph, who shot up to the heights of Egyptian society. If you contemplate for a moment the qualification Joseph had for his job, it is quite astounding. He was, at best, an apprentice shepherd by training, who hadn't yet assumed responsibility over the flock, but was his father's messenger to his brethren. He was the second youngest of all the sons of Jacob, the last son born in Syria. And according to Middle Eastern culture, he wasn't destined for much. However, he was loved by his father more than all his children. The love of his father caused the envy of his brethren. When Joseph shared with them the dreams he received from God, they hated him even more, but his father quietly observed them. The hatred harboured in the hearts of his brethren finally degraded into murderous action until God's providence, working through Reuben's intercession, saved him from certain death. We know the story. Joseph went from being the favourite son to a slave sold in Egypt and auctioned off to the highest bidder, who happened to be a high-ranking official in Pharaoh's government. If we were to follow Joseph's career path, one might think it had reached an all-time low. However, Joseph resigned himself to his fate and determined to make the best out of the situation. His situation was improved due to his diligence and service, and his faithfulness before his God. Yahweh was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. Genesis 39 Joseph's promotion in Potiphar's house came because he was blessed by God for his diligence. He served his master, not with eye service, but as though he was serving his God. Consequently, God was with him, and whatever he put his hand to, prospered. This brought Joseph into proximity with Potiphar's wife, a woman without scruples. His success brought trial upon him too, and no doubt he prayed earnestly for deliverance as Potiphar's wife pressed him to commit adultery with her. He maintained his integrity to his master throughout, but his underlying allegiance was to his God. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Deliverance came in a way he would certainly not have expected. By being thrown in jail, he was untouchable by Potiphar's wife and rescued from temptation. God provided a way of escape, albeit probably not what he would have chosen. As 1 Corinthians 10 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. The change of careers was no doubt traumatic for Joseph, but he maintained his integrity. His real career path had not changed, to be a servant of the living God, although the venue where he apprenticed for rulership in the kingdom of God changed. Once again, the key to Joseph's prosperity was due to the hand of Yahweh, working in his life, following his diligence and upstanding character. He didn't behave the way he did for promotion. He behaved the way he did because that was his calling. His promotion, even within the prison, was a consequence of his walk in the truth and not the desired goal. Even in prison, he was a servant to the prisoners. In prison, he interpreted the dreams for Pharaoh's servants, and the dreams came true. 
Yet he remained in prison for a further two years until he was finally remembered. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man, discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt, he advised the court. And Pharaoh elevated him accordingly. No doubt Joseph was not thinking of himself for this job. He had been a slave and a prisoner, and would not have thought himself either worthy or fit for such a task. Yet God, in his wisdom, saw fit to change his circumstances. Such an elevation from complete obscurity could only be the work of the Almighty. He had no credentials. He didn't attend the University of Memphis. He wasn't related to anyone important from a worldly perspective. His secret was that God made him to prosper. His life was one of bitter disappointment in so many ways, yet he humbly submitted himself to the will of God, and God elevated him in his time and for his own purpose. This was never his ambition, but it was God's purpose. His ambition was to serve his God faithfully in whatever circumstances God placed him, be it apprentice shepherd, slave, prisoner, or ruler over all the land of Egypt. Even in his highest elevation, he was still subject to temptation, being the son-in-law to the priest of On, whose name means he whom the Egyptian god Ra gave, Ra being the Egyptian sun god. Plus, he was given Asenath, whose name means belonging to the goddess Neith, who was believed to be the mother of the sun god Ra and the creator of the world. He still had to maintain his integrity and faith, even at the height of his success. Joseph's life is an example of where promotion comes from. I said unto the fools, deal not foolishly, and to the wicked, lift not up the horn. Lift not up your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one, and setteth up another, as Psalm 75 reminds us. Promotion came in Joseph's life when God deemed it suitable. It was for God's purpose, not Joseph's, that promotion ultimately came. But the promotion was for his brethren as well. He was sent to preserve their lives by great deliverance, and he assigned this work to God in Genesis 45. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years, in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Joseph does not blame his brothers for what happened, nor does he credit himself at any point. He could look back and see the hand of providence at work in his life, although at the time he probably did not see the good in what was happening, yet he still walked in his integrity. As Genesis 50 says, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. It would be good if we could face the trial of our lives this way, and not despise our brethren for their misdemeanours to us. Paul's reflection on his own life follows a similar pattern 
in Philippians 4. I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me.